So sometimes we have two patients who need so much care. And by the way, like the taking on the called donning and doffing of PPE is another 30 minutes each patient. It's crazy because by the time you take it off, then your other patient, you have to run into the room and put it back on. It's very physically demanding. And then on top of it, it's very emotionally demanding. You know, multiple times in a week, I have to tell the patient, okay, do you want to FaceTime your family? Because we're going to have to intubate you and put you on a ventilator. And I mean, sadly, I've seen multiple, multiple people not come off the ventilator. So, I mean, I come home sometimes and I just cry because it's so... I mean, imagine that. Imagine FaceTiming with a family member saying like, okay, tell them you love them. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the selfie show, you guys. So I just got home about an hour or two ago. And let me just give you the picture of this. Okay, so Jacob went out of town this weekend because he's been doing these weekenders with one of his good buddies. And they've been doing these hikes up in the Sierras. And I'm like, great, good, have fun, go do you boo. And I go and do my horse thing up at my parents' ranch in Somas. And I get to do like a mom and dot weekend, spend some time with the family, get my riding in, all that fun jazz. So long story short, we weren't home. I came home and we live in a three-story unit by the beach in Redondo. And it was literally like opening the doors to a sauna. Holy smokes. It was so hot in here. Like I literally walked in the door and I just started like bead sweat on the top lip, like boob sweat going down, dripping down. You know what I'm talking about. It is survival by fans here. And I don't know whoever films the whole like Kardashian situation of showing what Southern California quote unquote looks like does. I don't know how they do it, but you guys, it is not the real tea, okay? We live in Southern California and I would say like Central California, it's a desert, okay? That's just the real tea. That's what it is. Like, you know, we're using succulents instead of all of this crazy greenery. That's just the real tea. And if you do, your water bills are out the roof because to keep everything watered, it is ridiculously expensive. So anyway, long story short, we had a heat wave. And by the way, you guys, I lived in Arizona for five years during college. Yes, five years, not four. Yes, I said that. I mean, it's five and a half, five and a half years. Okay, let's get the realty here, Tori. So I lived in Arizona. I know what he is like. And so here's the difference. Arizona has the perfect, most amazing infrastructure. Like they just have it set up so well. I, I don't ever really remember our power outages happening or like having nearly as many issues when we have these heat waves. I mean, in California, it's like a heat wave. It comes in super powerful. People are like flocking to the ocean. You know, there is, I mean, it literally took hours to get on the 101 just because people are trying to flock to the beaches because it's so freaking hot and they're just trying to get away from the heat. So long story short, it's just ridiculous. Arizona, props to you guys because you guys actually have your shit together and your electricity. I mean, the power outages don't happen like they happen here. I don't know why. We just can't get our shit together in California. Let's just be honest. Real tea, guys. Okay, that's the situation. No, I don't have air conditioning. We live on we live on fans and most days it's fine. But today I'm going to bitch a little bit about it. Okay, let me have a minute. I just need a minute. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> We're moving on. Okay. Speaking of Arizona, my guest today. Oh my God, you guys. I have been dying to get her on here for so long just because this is literally someone I vibe on so 
well. This is someone that I've known for years and years and years, and she's going to be bringing you the real tea. Okay, so just like put in your head like a six foot tall blonde bombshell. Like, no, maybe like six foot six. She's like a giraffe. It's ridiculous. And she's stunningly beautiful. She's just someone that you're like, you see her from a mile away and you're like, oh my God, just beauty model question mark like what are we working with here but no no guys she is a nurse not only that she's actually now an acute care nurse practitioner so let's go beyond that not to mention the fact that she is a COVID frontline provider she is a mental health advocate she is one of the kindest souls and probably one of the funnest souls I've ever been around and the way I picture her is so funny because we both went to U of A and my first picture of her is literally and I'm going to tell you this story like because I introduced the story of this podcast with the story but literally doors opened and I remember looking through the doors and there were these like beautiful tall blonde bombshells standing in front of me cheering up and down screaming their heads off at sorority rush and that was one of the people being Corey So Corey was a pledge class above me. She and I, I was in the same sorority as her. Uh, We've been longtime friends. We both went to U of A and we're both nurses. And she has a super unique perspective on the nursing world, being a frontline provider. Yes, she has been working fighting this virus since I want to say March in one of the most impacted hospitals in Southern California. Um, she's also been a huge advocate for supporting new nurses and also not letting other people's messages dictate your life. You do you boo. And I think that this is such a great person to be talking about this with you guys because she is someone that truly has done or fashioned her journey the way that she wanted to. If someone told her no, she said yes. If someone said, no, you can't jump over this, she said, watch, I'm going to jump higher. I mean, I just... I freaking love her for this. And I think you guys are going to get so much out of that. Not to mention the fact that she has, okay, so she makes these amazing cookies. You guys, I ordered them for Jacob's 30th birthday. And she's a cookie creator. She's also someone that loves to host parties. I love it when she hosts a good party because let me just tell you, I'm obsessed with her Instagram. She did like this really cute um, spoof on the Britney Spears circus moment for her 30th birthday, which I was absolutely obsessed with. So she's just someone for me that's really relatable, right? She's like fun. She has this life outside of her nursing career. She's creative, fiery and driven as hell. And I love that. And I think this is a moment we need a platform for you guys. I just think that anytime I hear someone saying, someone's telling me I can't do this, I'm like, no, you should and can do anything that you put your mind to. And not to mention the fact that we really deep dive into her experiences as a COVID frontline provider, as a nurse going through quite possibly the hardest thing that we will see in our generation. She really opens up about her experiences and what she's been seeing dealing with this virus since March. So, you know, you guys, today is going to be a really good one. So without further ado, let's dive in. So the way I met Miss Corey here, this is how I picture you, okay? (laughs) Um, The doors opened and this 
stunning blonde bombshell is bouncing up and down, oh clapping, God. screaming her head off for <laughs> sorority rush. And I was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Like your whole, so backstory is we were in the same sorority. We went to the same university. Yep. And Corey's just been a part of my life for, I think, I don't know, long like time. 10 years at least, 12 I years know, now. Which is crazy. Yeah. And you're just someone that, I don't know, I feel like I resonate really strongly with. You have this fun, bubbly personality, and you're just someone that I feel like is in the medical field, and I feel like I vibe really well on. Yeah. And you have a lot of angles. Like, you have so many things going on that I want to bring here today. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, so for those who don't know you, let's get the backstory, the spiel. Okay. So we went to University of Arizona together. Um, we were in our same story. And um, so I didn't do super great in college. I will say I focused a lot on partying. <laughs> we all um, And it kind of bit well. me in the butt. Um, <laughs> and so when I applied to nursing school at U of A, it was either I wasn't getting in because my grades weren't there. Yeah. Um, and it was either I graduate with family studies and human development background and go to school afterwards or stay another year. Well. Of course, me, I wanted to be with all my friends. So I was like, I'm graduating because I couldn't imagine seeing my friends walk down, you know, not the aisle. I was about to say the aisle. Same. Walk same. down, you know, graduate without me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to nursing school afterwards. Um, so I did. Uh, I went to um, an accelerated program out like right after college. Got my BSN, uh, which was great. Uh, I stayed in Arizona for a year after that because um, I wanted to be an ICU nurse. Um, and, uh, someone told me basically that you can't get a job as an ICU nurse in California. So it was either stay in <laughs> California and do not do what you love or stay in Arizona and go be an ICU nurse. So I did, I stayed in Arizona and then I worked there for a year and the ICU was a very like rural, small hospital. Uh, and then I came back to California and I started working in the ICU in Southern California. Who was your role model growing up? Um, my dad, for sure. My dad is in the medical field. He's a cardiologist. Uh, I never thought I wanted to do cardiology, but of course here I am. Look at you now. (laughs) Look at him. Look at me now. Um, but he was just because he's such like a, I say he's such like a just person. Um, not only do I look at him as a role model in the medical world, but he's just so fair, like everything. He's just always calm, cool, and collected. And he really just looks at like the fairness of people. And I, I don't know how he does it. Cause I, you know, when you're mad at someone, you think the worst or but he's like no and he always thinks of the other side so he's my role model for sure you grew up in medical so do you feel like I mean school wise do you feel like school was something that because I know like we 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 went to U of A you guys we partied we had a good time (laughs) we went to football games we did the whole thing but do you feel like school came naturally to you once you like like where were you at with school I always felt, and that was the problem. I always said, like, just get me into nursing, and I will be, I'll do great. Um, it was like the grades, my ADHD really kicked in a lot, so it was really <laughs> hard for me to focus, and I had the worst FOMO. But once, I mean, I was a scribe in the ER, um, which I don't know if not everyone knows what that is, but it's basically you know you write for the doctors and you scribe for the doctors so that they can see more patients and work more effectively. So I started at sixteen, so I had patient care and talking to patients and talking to you know medical professionals. So that, like such a young age that um, medical terminology and like I said, just bedside manner came really naturally to me. So I was like, get me in to nursing school and I'll be great at just getting there. So 
So I you just, knew you wanted to be a nurse, like backstory. Like you, you had this idea of like, okay, I want to be in medical. I knew I want to be a nurse kind of, that was in there. Yeah. I had, um, when I was funny, there's a picture that I drew when I was like five. Um, and my mom found it a couple of years ago and it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it said like, and res, I couldn't spell nurse, so, but I was wearing a little like nursing hat. So I knew I wanted to be a nurse. Um, my dad kind of, I would say he kind of steered me away from being, um, a physician. Cause he said, you know, there's a, that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> but he said, you know, if you don't want to be on call and yeah. things like that. So he actually was the one that said a nurse practitioner is a great career for, you know, people that want a family and not be on call and not spend a lot of time in medical school. So. It's different dynamics. Totally. Yeah. I totally. mean, I, and that's something I like to talk about on here cause it is a different dynamic and I think that's really good to pinpoint. Yeah, totally. So early on, like describe your early nursing days. Like, let's go there. Like, what was it like? So, like I said, I worked in a small rural hospital, and this is actually funny because they basically told me, okay, well, you are a new grad, you're going to train, and then we got really busy, and I was a new grad, and they maybe had four weeks of training, and they said, okay, well, here's your patient assignment. Holy We don't have enough nurses, so here you go. I was terrified, and I remember that day I called my parents, and I... (laughs) My dad will laugh if he hears this. I called my parents and I said, why'd you make me go into medicine? I hate this. I hated it. I mean, because I was thrown in and I was so scared. Um, I but, think so many, so many nurses go through that though. Yeah. That's like it's like a very real situation. And you don't feel comfortable until like, I'd say at least two years in, especially in the ICU. Yes. I mean, 100%. it takes a good two years to really feel confident. Um, so that was the first time I really, you know, got a slap in the face of, this is reality. Like, good luck, sink or swim. And I'm not a sinker, so I swam. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I and then, it okay, so from that job, you moved to your next job. And let's talk a little bit about that transition. Yeah, I um, came to California uh, at the hospital that my, actually my dad works at, um, which is another topic as well. Uh, but I worked in the ICU on nights. Um, and then we were short a sepsis nurse. So they had me kind of go into the sepsis world and I started being a sepsis uh, nurse and then I kind of went back into the ICU and did, um, I started with on hearts and doing cardiac and that's where I kind of like found my niche and fell in love. We're a medical ICU. So we do, we take a blend of everything. So it's every day. I mean, it's something different, but we do a lot of open heart patients. So that's where I kind of found my niche. That's amazing. I feel like the heart is so complex and amazing. It's awesome. What, what is, I mean, if you had to describe your favorite part of, of working as a cardiac ICU, like what, what's your favorite part? I would say like just each, um, it's like a puzzle, uh, when, you know, cardiac patients come out, it's, uh, I would say a cardiac nurse has a lot of autonomy in the sense that, you know, it's up to you to figure out to titrating drips and doing all these things. So it's, it's like a puzzle, you know, the, this patient's numbers are off and how can I fix it? How, what can I do with this drip, that drip? So that's the fun part of, I think it's a lot of my like critical thinking, which is really what stimulates me. Sort of along that line, what would you say is the best quality or like a top quality that a CVIC nurse should have or should? I mean, there's a couple of things I think go into it. Um, a lot of things, but uh, critical thinking, obviously. I mean, I said, just said that. But um, another thing is like clinical judgment. You have to decide what's best for your patient at the time right now, um, which, you know, sometimes a lot of nurses, I would say, get really caught up on like timing and meds. And I mean your patient is the main goal is do not die. So 100% we have to focus and you know, all the little stuff can go on the back burner. And I think a lot of people get tripped up on the little stuff. Um, but it's how to take what to do right now. What's going to save your patient. What's one thing you wish you had known when you started your career? 
You know, I wish, and I, I'm hoping to change this culture and I feel like I do change it every, I try my hardest to change it every day. Um, but you know, not everyone has your best interest. I think that's the hardest thing for me to learn. Um, cause I was super naive and like you said, super bubbly and I thought everyone loved me and it was just, but some people really, you know, it, nursing's a weird culture. I would say yes. it, back, yeah. you know, hopefully trying to change that, but people don't want to see, always see you do well. So that was really hard. Yeah. I think that is a big part of it. And you know, it's sort of like along the lines of nurses, either young or this yeah. is the way you should do it. Or this is how we've always done it. Backstabbing. That's a big part too. Yeah. That I think I didn't really experience that my first job, but when I ventured out into other units, I felt that. Yeah, exactly. And I do think it's something that we need to change. Yeah. It's a weird, like I said, it's a weird nursing. I always say it's a very weird culture and, um, you know, I don't want to say it's stereotypical. It's a bunch of women because <laughs> it's not anymore. Yeah. No, I mean, yes, I would agree with that. Like we have a lot more male presence coming, even in the NICU world, we have a lot more male presence than oh, really, I think yeah. I've ever expected. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of women based cattiness mm -hmm. and it's yeah. hard. Like we, I just feel like I'm in that space of like wanting to uplift and to inspire. And I feel like we need to be in that space. Right. Totally. Especially in medicine. So for those listening, maybe helpful ICU and or cardiac nurses, what are some tangible pieces of advice you could offer them? I would say definitely put yourself out there and apply for positions or jobs that you may not think that you're you're going to get, but you never know. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that, um, into nursing that it's not, like I said, it's not just book smart, book smart. It's not just personality. It's a blend of everything. So, you know, don't, don't pigeonhole yourself into one thing. Um, another one would be always self-learn for sure. Um, you know, you, you think that you learn a lot in nursing school and you think that you learn a lot at the, on the job, which you do, but it's a lot of what are you interested in? Like go home, read as much as you can about cardiac, about GI, whatever you're interested in, really grab those things that spark your interest because you're learning little bits each time you read something. So those are the two top ones I would say. It's a really good. So as far as things, cause I think we all have like these things in our head of like what it's going to be like, but and I think it's a really interesting thing when you can speak to it differently. So are, th are there things that you would like to debunk about your unit or things that you feel like are not <laughs> the case? I, it's so funny. There's like such of, um, a um, myth around us. Uh, CVICU or cardiac or ICU nurses that were just snotty. I don't think that's true. <laughs> All the memers out there oh are gosh. going really hard on you guys right now. Oh my gosh. It's like, oh, I feel like I'm just getting, it's getting bad. Attacked. It's like straight up, like, <laughs> like, like, whoa. Like nurse I, life RN. Yeah. Oh yeah. Know. Nurse life, uh, code nurse. They're all going after you guys. Oh, I know. Um, we're not, I went, I mean, we're not snotty. I think it's a really hard job. I would say that, and every, I mean, everyone's job has, every unit has their own difficulties, but you know, you're with a patient that's critically ill for 12 hours. Um, you're every system you're taking care of, whether they're intubated on a ventilator or they're talking, you know, they're, they need a lot. So that's a hard one. Um, it's a hard job. And so is, I think there's a little bit of, um, uh, tiff between, you know, ER and ICU always, always. And the ER nurses like want to know, yeah. they don't, they just treat them, treat them, get them up there. Yes. 
um, and we want to know everything. Yeah, down to the, yeah. And I I feel that too. I'm like, how do you not know this? But then it's funny because I did bring an ED nurse on and she was like, I swear we're not trying to be like that. But it is funny. It's like, it's it's a thing between ICU and ED. Yeah, it's very different. They're focus assessments and we're full assessments. So I would say that's my, we're not snotty. I will also say this, and you could probably attest to this. I feel like certain units draw certain personalities. Totally. 100%. And I think that's a big part of it, right? It's like, I'm, I would consider myself probably pretty type A in certain ways, um, but also pretty on the bubbly side. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like naturally peds nursing or, you know, people are drawn to certain things or like if you're stimulated mentally by, you know, thinking critically all the time and having to be on your toes and like an adrenaline rush, like there's definitely units for certain things. Totally. 100% agree. And, um, I always joke, I can go both ways. I can go to ER and I do great. And I can go to ICU and do great. It just, I kind of chose ICU. Um, and most specifically now rapid response kind of blends the two. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, yeah, that's what I was. It's funny. Cause when I say don't pigeonhole yourself, um, I basically was like, I want to do rapid response. And I was kind of new in the hospital and people were like, you can't do rapid response. You, you, you know, you haven't been here long enough. And I was like, well, watch me, I'll do it. Yeah, so um, that is nice because I am an ICU, obviously trained background nurse, but um, on the floors I go and help the nurses that call me that say, can you come see eyes, just put lay eyes on this patient, something's wrong, I don't know what, Um, which is really hard and you have to be, again, a whole different person because you have to be... um, nice to them. You have to teach them. You have to be, you know, helpful. You can't just be like, Oh, you're stupid. You don't know that. So, and then you also have to use your brain and think like, what's wrong with this patient? And where is this patient going? Do I need to send them to the ICU? Do I need to send them to the step down unit? Are they okay on this floor? So that's um, a way I can do a little ER rapid triaging and use my ICU background. So, so systems wise, this is me like a weird question, but like, is your rapid response, are you based on your unit or is it whole separate? Like, are you a separate and you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we used to be based like not every ICU nurse, but like 20 of us used to do it. Um, and then they changed the structure of the group. Um, so we're like a separate billing center from ICU. Uh, but now we're just three core, we call it MET, which is like the medical emergency team. There's three core that that's all we do. And we do a bedside shift every once in a while just to keep our skills up. Um, but yeah, we're kind of separate from the ICU. So kind of turning back into being a nurse bedside, Mm -hmm. can you take us through a quick little, like what it's like a day on the unit, like walking onto the unit, what is it like? So walking onto the unit, um, you know, you get report, you find your patients, you get report from, um, the nurse from the night nurse, cause I'm a day shift night nurse. Um, and you know, you kind of run through what, what's the plan for today? Where are we going with this? Um, and then it's really up to you. And this is where I think it's very critical for nurses to, to learn from, um, to really deep dive into your patient's chart. What happened? I mean, I go from the, I mean, it's hard because, you know, you do have tasks and things to do. Um, but going into, um, (laughs) uh, when they got there, why did they come to the ER? I think that's a huge part of the patient's what brought brought them to the hospital. I mean, it's really hard to, if you've had a patient there for two months to do that, but just kind of skimming through the important parts of the chart. Um, and really knowing your patient, because if a physician comes by and says, Hey, what, um, why did this patient come here? And you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, you've been in this patient 12 hours and you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really part. And a lot of nurses don't do it and you can get by not doing it, but I think you really do a disservice to yourself and your patient. 
So I go through the chart, uh, look through all my patients, you know, history of what he's been here, he or she's been there. And then, you know, it's kind of, it is a little tasky. You do your morning meds and you do your assessment. And then, you know, the rest of the day, it's like, when are your meds due? And that's like a stable day. I mean, if patient crashes or goes south, your whole yeah, day is just it's, gone. I feel like in an ICU, you just never know what's you never going to happen. There's, you know, in the morning, you can like kind of maybe if like you don't come on to a crashing patient, kind of figure it out. But after that, it's like... Yeah. All, all hell Broke breaks loose. loose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there goes your whole day. Yeah, exactly. You're like, it could go perfectly, but... And that's the thing is, any nurse, you have to be willing to change and adapt to your circum, your certain uh, circumstance at that time. I think that's something that like took me a long time to really get used to was like... And because I think in nursing school, they drill you so hard on like, this is how it should be or like being so perfect about timing things. And it's like, that's just not the reality. Yeah. It's just really not the reality. Like you, I mean, there are shifts where I'm like, my head is spinning. You're drawing these laps. You're doing this. Like you are, you know, like your second patient gets completely forgotten about. You know, it's just things totally. happen. I mean, and that's where a good team comes in. Yes. Too. Cause if you can't see your second patient, your team's like, I got it. I'll, I'll take care of your patient. You focus on yours. So that's important too. Yes. And if you don't love your team, there are plenty of hospitals out there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so another aspect that I absolutely love about you and I really want to deep dive into is you decided to go back to grad school. I did. I did. Craziness. <laughs> okay. So let's walk through this process. Like, soup to nuts when you started nursing all the way to this decision like what was your decision and why um like I said kind of in the beginning my dad kind of was the one that said how great nurse practitioner was um and then I you know you really I think a big mistake that people make is not doing bedside for long enough um granted you can do it and god bless you and that's great but I think you have to do bedside for a little bit just to like really know nursing because even though you're a nurse practitioner you're still a nurse right you're a nurse first that's what i always say the basis of a nurse practitioner yeah. is nursing and, you, and provide being a provider and medical provider and being a nurse practitioner are two different things because you have that nursing background um so i knew i wanted to be a nurse practitioner i worked in the icu for five years which is not that long i mean there's people that have been there 15 20 years but you know i did five years uh, as bedside and then my rapid response really solidified that I wanted to do um, nurse practitioner because I had a lot of autonomy and I had order sets that I could order for patients that were crashing. So it gave you like a little bit, like a taste of it. Um, and so then I was like, okay, I really want to do this. So I applied to um, Cal State Long Beach and went to Cal State Long Beach for my graduate program. And I specialized in acute care because I liked the hospital and that's what I wanted to do. And then, um, yeah, so then I did my cardiology uh, backgrounds or, uh, clinical hours. And that's where, that's where I fell into. That's awesome. Yeah. What were roadblocks that you sort of hit along the way? Were there any things that you like? Just timing. I mean, I worked, gosh, I worked full time. I went to school full time. I, you know, Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's just school's doable, but the clinical hours really kicks your butt. Um, so I would say the road, that's a roadblock is just having, I wish there was 48 hours in a day, you know? I know. I feel that way. Like, now period. <laughs> I'm like, I could use a lot more hours. Oh Thank my gosh, you. Me too. me too. Okay. So let's talk about, cause I know there's like so many ups and downs with nursing, but can you speak to maybe your biggest failure or something that you overcame? I would say, um, 
Yeah, like I said earlier, but you know, my at U of A, I really didn't apply myself as much as I could have. Um, you know, when you're 20, the biggest thing is like what party you're going to. hundred percent. Especially I, when you go to U of A. And I would, I wish, you know, I wish I wasn't like that, but I love to party. I do. I love to have a good time. So that was hard for me. I think that kind of brought my ego down a little bit. Like I didn't get to nursing school um, the first time, and I had to graduate, and so that was hard for me, um, especially because you brats got in and I didn't. Okay, but I didn't get in. I didn't get in right away. And I talk about this all the time because my cohort of when I should have gotten in, they applied maybe once, maybe twice. Yeah. And then I was the person that had to apply like three and a half times. Yeah. And then finally I got in, but it was like, I was definitely the person that it didn't come naturally. It didn't come easy for me. It's hard. I mean, you could be smart and I'm, you know, I'd say I'm pretty book smart, but I mean, like I said, just going to school. Well, what I love about you, and this is where, like, I think why I also want to bring you on is because it's relatable that, like, I literally feel like this is going to sound really weird to me to say, but, like, you're stunning. You're beautiful. You have it all going. And I'm like, this is where I think, you know, there's this stereotype in my head of, like, a nurse, right? And it's, like, frumpy. Yeah. Totally. It's not relatable. Yeah. It's not my life. Yeah. And then I, like, have someone like you that's been in my life forever, and I so feel like we're in that same space of, totally. like, you can still have your life. You can still be you yeah. and be in this space. And I think that's important for people to know. I'm, like, I, I think it's more relatable to people when they can, like, look at you and be, like, yes. Yeah. I, I don't think you have to be pigeonholed into a package of, oh, you're a nurse, you're frumpy. Oh, you're beautiful. You're a model. I mean, you can be at all. I, I don't see why not. That's my thing. Yeah. And I think it's just annoying when we do put people into those pigeonholes. Can you deep dive a little bit into what was nurse practitioner school like? Oh God. So <laughs> I will say this. I'll shout out to, I won't say his name because my fiance would kill me. Uh, <laughs> But I dated a guy that I'll never forget. He played football for a little bit, like not very long, whatever. Loser. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I, that was for my fancy. No, but I dated a guy that played football and he told me, he was like, listen, you're pretty, you're smart. You know, you have it kind of all going on and people are going to hate you. They're going to hate you. And the second they look at you and think that you're a dumb one. And he's like, so you have to go over and above everyone. And for some reason that like always stuck in my head, um, I said, love you for that one, dude. Sadly, I really agree. Yeah. And so he was like, you have to be smarter than everyone. You have to be nicer than everyone because everyone's going to think that you're a dumb blonde, bratty, whatever, which is terrible. But no, it's true. Shout out to him for giving me that. Um, Look at you now. I know. (laughs) Um, But for nurse practitioner school, I think that kind of encompasses that. I mean, you go into a hospital and especially, like I said, with the culture of medicine and nursing specifically, um, people think, look at me like, oh, this tall blonde, you don't know what you're talking about. So I really had to prove myself. Um, and it was hard, but I, I did it, you know, so. Yeah. Do you, I mean, kind of along that bloodline, do you have any tangible tips for students who want to go into nurse practitioner school or something that you could leave with them a little nugget? I would say, you know, just put yourself out there and one, do like be humble. I mean, you may know it all, but no one wants someone that knows it all. <laughs> you know, you want to be open to criticism and open to learning. I think that's a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, because teachers, professors, preceptors, they kind of turn off if you act, they're like, then why are you here? Why am I teaching you? Yeah, exactly. Um, like I, my least favorite thing is when a nursing student or someone new coming on the unit is like, Oh, but I learned it this way. Or someone taught it to me that way. And I'm like, but I'm teaching it to you this way. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard for, um, 
you know, preceptors to teach because now they you kind of just close that close that wall, like built that wall and close that communication off. So that's a huge one. Um, and then you know, nurse practitioner school. I would just say a big one would be finding time to study away from your house. It took me a while to learn that, but when I was home, I'm like, oh my god, the laundry, and now my days off, and I'm a nurse now, and I'm working full time, and um, take somewhere yes. you can go and study and get away from like your real life for a little bit. Um, and then a study group that was huge or like friends in school, you know, you think you can do it by yourself and you're fine, but having people to study with and Hey, when's this assignment due? It's like huge. Cause I life and I'd forget. Totally. And I feel like that was a big part for me or like in a big adjustment was not having that. Yeah. That's a big difference. We were study buddies. Yeah. It's a totally different dynamic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie about that. Like that was something that I think in nursing school that really helped me was mm-hmm. like having my little, my people yeah. to really bounce things off of. And it's such a different dynamic that I don't know. It's, there's good, there's pluses and minuses to both. I mean, yeah. I have a little bit more free time to, and self pace myself how I wanted, but yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but overall, so you are now, I mean, just kind of dabbling into this. So you've finished. I did. Whoop, whoop. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. you. I'm graduated. And then can we talk a little bit really quick about the job process, like looking for a job? So it's really difficult because especially in this day and age, there's like indeed, and there's all these job websites and you literally fire off a bunch of resumes and you spend so much time on these resumes and these applications online and you literally send it into this cloud that no one ever knows where it goes. Yeah, you're like, what did you even see that? Yeah, I don't even where know. did it go? You don't even know what happens to it. So I think that was really frustrating because I'm like, can you can I at least get an email back? Like got your application, yeah, we're reviewing it. No, nothing. <laughs> so that was frustrating. Um and then I had a friend from nursing my my graduate nurse practitioner program um that sent me an application and she said, this has your name written all over it. I think you should apply. So I applied and I literally heard back the next day. It was almost like it was meant to be because they called me like, hi. And I almost, I mean, I didn't answer the first phone call because I'm like, this isn't real. And then they left a message and I called them back and it was a very, very strict, rigorous interview process. Um, it was like 15 interviews. Um, what? Oh my gosh. Over like three and a half weeks. Uh, I had like two panel interviews, like, 10 one-on-one interviews, like a couple two-by-two interviews. It was horrible. Holy smokes. (laughs) It was on Zoom because of COVID. So that was interesting. But then it makes it weirder because then you're trying to talk when someone's trying to talk and it's just like uncomfortable because you're looking at a screen. Um, Totally. So what's your new role going to look like? So I'm at um, a facility in Southern California um, that is, I'm the LVAD nurse practitioner. So for those of you who don't know, LVAD is a left ventricular assisted device and basically someone that is in heart failure um, that is bridged, that can be either bridged to transplant or they call it destination therapy that can live with this LVAD for like 10 to 15 years. Um, so I will be the inpatient nurse practitioner for that. Exciting. I know. I love heart. So that's why I, it's like a device, it's technology, it's patient care. It's, I mean, technology is changing so much that these LVADs used to be huge. They used to like be these big backpacks people carry. And yeah, now people carry I think like a- that's even what it was when I was in nursing school. Yeah. Like, I feel like when we were back in, what was that, 2011, 12? I don't know. They were huge. <laughs> yeah. And they were like these big backpacks, but now like um, device companies called like HeartMate, and then there's all these different ones. They're literally the size of like um, like a wallet card that they carry. It's like, that's where the battery is. It's crazy. Let's talk workflow because you're going from being bedside and or rapid response to nurse practitioner. So like, let's go through what your schedule is going to look like and things like that. 
I used to do three twelves uh, as a nurse, as a bedside nurse, and now I'm going to five eights, <laughs> which will be That's interesting because I love my days off. Like today's a Monday, yeah. and I'm off today. Um, but it'll be, you know, I think it'll be. You get really get to know your patients, and it's a lot of continuity. Versus as a bedside nurse, you never see them, and you never see what happens to them. Yeah, um, they it's leave very your unit, different. and yeah, you don't get to see them. Yeah. And this is kind of I get to know and patients because it's a blend of inpatient and outpatient. Um, so that'll be interesting. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Totally different kind of flow, but I, yeah. you know, and there's something to be said for this too, which is you and I have talked about this a little bit too, is like the 12 hours, it's a lot. Oh. Like, I mean, even though we work three days a week, sometimes you're just like, I literally need a full day to recover. I'm yeah. exhausted. Or like day shift. I feel like most people do n- never work three in a row. Day shift. Yeah. Like oh, I, I never do. I do. I work three in a row. Um, I don't like it. Cause I'm like, Dying. by the end of it i'm like exhausted yeah i don't even know how you i, I think, do two and then like one off one on maybe or yeah. like you know it just kind of depends but like i have three in a row for me like kills me i used to be like doing extras four or five in a row i don't know where yes. that went out the window even night shift when i was on night shift because were you on night shift for, for a year yeah okay so i did three and a half years and i remember days when like there was overtime like crazy and we were super busy and like we would literally do like eight or nine in a row oh my god i know or, i don't like, know how we did it i don't either and when you could like mush your schedule together and do six in a row and then you have like eight off or whatever oh my i don't know i can never do that yeah i know i'm like there's no way now no my body kills me for me too um and it's by the way it's not 12 hours it ends up being like 14 by the time you leave your house and get home thank you and i hate you know i really do hate being gone all day like and my fiance i know know. so i mean i'm a little excited to have like i'll be home at like 3 30 um because i'm like i get home at 8 30 and i'm crazy but i cook when i get home because i just yeah i mean i'll have maybe something made yeah yeah Yeah. but i mean i may still make us food my husband doesn't know his way around the kitchen fiance excuse me (laughs) i'm already calling him my husband but he doesn't know his way around the kitchen so i have to cook and i mean i'm okay with it i'm very okay with it but um yeah it's difficult i mean it makes a long day it really does and you can't go to your doctor's appointments and you can't do anything so i know you've had a covid engagement I did have a COVID. Well, it was right before COVID. It was right before COVID. It was literally like the week before COVID. So what's your plan now? What are you guys going to do? We're getting married in Cabo next May. I'm excited. I'm like, as long as the border doesn't close, I think we'll be okay. I think Um, you'll be fine by then. Yeah. I think hopefully it'll kind of die down a little bit. I don't know. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Yes. Okay. So speaking of which, a big piece that I really want to speak to you today about is this whole situation. COVID. Okay. COVID working in frontline as a nurse, yeah. you saw the thick of it. I mean, you were, I mean, I remember early on, you and I were kind of talking about it yeah. and just hearing your stories. And I want to deep dive onto this. So let's maybe back up. What were your initial thoughts of COVID? Gosh, my, I mean, I was scared. It's part of my friend shitless. I was, you know, we didn't know. I mean, it was like, I felt like it was Ebola, you know what I mean? Like, I felt totally. like it was, you're yeah. going to catch it and that was it and you're a goner, um, which, you know, depends I guess we were talking about this earlier to see no one knows how sick you're gonna get and you don't know but in the beginning I mean I remember going to my first patient's room and I was scared to death and I I took care of the first COVID patient on my on my unit oh you had the you were the lucky one I was the lucky one I mean they I the first intubated one um and he's great if you guys ever want to look at his he's very vocal um oh yeah 
where can people find him if they are he's on facebook and then if you just google his name um he has been like interviewed the oc register um so he's been very very vocal about what happened um we'll link him in the show notes yeah link him he's great love him we're still friends we we're facebook friends and yeah he still he still pops in and says hi to me um but you know i think everyone like when i was going to that room with my papper on and my you know my isolation gear everyone's faces were just like oh my gosh you're going in you know yeah it's like it's happening it's happening and it was scary. was that when you felt the realness of it like yeah. do you feel like that's when you were yeah like, that was oh. like i remember i even posted on instagram i was like i'm not gonna see my friends and family for god knows how long like this is the last day i'll see them because it was like the first day that i was taking care of a covid um and i didn't know how i could see my family with keeping them you know i don't want to get anyone sick i wanted to keep them safe so and that was when the PPE shortage was kind of like scary and happening. I was going to say how, I mean, how have you felt with your PPE? I mean, my hospital has done a pretty good job um, of keeping us protected. Um, we've never gone a day without, you know, having a N95 or gloves or gowns. Um, but I mean, the whole problem is everyone knows in the beginning these N95s are one-time use. Yeah, you know, it's funny. What uh, One of the memers posted something, and it was like a reference to Jim at, on The Office when he was reading the baby books and saying, he was reading it over and over and saying, yep, same thing here, same thing here, same thing here. Like, they're all confirming the same thing. And, and it was in reference to an N95 basically saying, yep, says one, one-time use, one-time use, one-time use. Yeah. And I remember thinking back when we were doing an episode with someone else where I was saying, yeah, remember those days when N95s were one-time use? And I had to catch myself because I was like, maybe we did reuse them. Like, maybe we took them off no. and, like, we saved them. But I'm like, no, no. we never did that. No, there was no, no. Yeah, walk out of the room, throw it away, goodbye. So telling us that we have to use them, you know, the CDC now saying you can reuse them up to this many hours and this much, it's... It's that's the biggest like turmoil for me because I'm like this is wrong. But well, and I think so many people feel that like that that's a universal feeling. Yeah, all totally. of us have. Everybody has that feeling of like, how are we still there? I don't I know. Mean, we're still there. Where a lot of hospitals don't. I mean, you don't get a one time use. That's not happening. No, I mean, I heard the facility I'm going to has it, so I was like, okay, that's <laughs> <laughs> the perk. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's I, that's the scary part is we kind of all know that this isn't right but here we are anyways i mean luckily and i know there's a lot of caregivers who have gotten sick and who have gotten you know covid luckily in my facility there really has been a f- small number i don't know the exact number but um you guys there's... had a surge i remember for a while there. oh my gosh we've had so many patients i mean we're the busiest hospital in orange county with yeah. covid yeah southern california excuse me same so it's been crazy um but in the beginning, and I just want to touch a little bit on it, is um, but we started frontline donations, which was a big part of the whole PPE shortage. Um, so me and two friends from my elementary school, like we hadn't talked in the years, um, she ended up reaching out to me, what can we do? So we started this nonprofit that sourced PPE to nurses. And this is when New York was getting hit and we weren't. So we were sending masks to um, personally to nurses, their home address, so they could feel protected. Because a lot of times you'd send them to these big hospitals and these nurses wouldn't see them. Um, see, like we'd send a thousand and fives, and they said, "Oh, we never saw them." So we were sending them personally to nurses' home addresses, which we also worked with um, Gold Sheep Clothing, which is a local Southern California um, brand, legging brand, activewear. Um, and she started making N95 covers, uh, which were I'm literally obsessed we love with Gold them. Sheep. I mean, oh love my Gold god, Sheep. Carrie so- is like the owner. She's brilliant. She's so brilliant. I literally, it's funny because early on I was, you had posted about that and, um, I was like, 
Corey, I need this mask. Like, get it to me. And I can honestly tell you when I post about that mask, everyone's like obsessed. That's like anyone who is following or listening to this and follows me on Instagram, you guys know, like, this is my favorite mask. It's the one with the lips. Yes. And this super cute animal print. Yep. Obsessed. And she's such a cute line of clothing. Oh my gosh. I love her. I literally, that's all I wear anymore. (laughs) It's so cute. I mean, I could live in her clothes, but, um, so you teamed up with them, which this is another reason I brought you on because I just think it's super cool that you are this super badass nurse you're in nurse practitioner school and you're helping people I just remember you thinking like how are you doing this all like you were balancing so much then I think um you know I think in I posted something a long time ago that was like in a time of crisis like people's true colors show um and you know you saw some people that were just mean and whatever rude and not my style so I think that's just helped me I felt like I could control something so I'm a kind of a control freak um ask my fiance (laughs) but I'm kind of a control freak so I think that was a way I could control what was going on even though I had no control over anything that was happening yeah I felt like you were like contributing in some way yeah exactly so uh, I'm curious um because I know your rapid response but can you maybe dive into a little bit of what it is like to be a COVID frontline ICU nurse Okay, before we dive into that, many of you want to know how to support our show. One way is to support our sponsors, and this is one that I've been working with for the past six months that I'm absolutely obsessed with. I am talking about HUM, clinically proven nutrients for skin, hair, body, and mood. And here's the thing, you guys, I eat relatively healthy. I get it. You should get most of your nutrients from your food. However, this is the thing that will help you fill those gaps. Let me give you the spectrum from hair and nail growth to gut regulation with probiotics, cleanses, even vitamin D, you guys. We are all low on vitamin D and HUM truly offers the difference. HUM has been featured on Forbes, Vogue, Well and Good, Mind Body Green, Allure. And let me tell you guys, this is why I like HUM. HUM offers personalized solutions and free nutrition advice by certified registered dietitians. You guys, this is unheard of. So basically how it works is you take a three minute quiz online, you tell them about yourself, you get a nutritionist report or recommendations to personalize your needs, and then you get to customize and save. And of course, this would be no fun without a code. So if you head over to www.humnutrition.com and use code SELFIE, that's C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 20% off of your first order of $29 or more. All these supplements get thrown in my bag every single day for lunches at work. You guys, I love these products. I cannot express that enough. So again, head over to humnutrition.com, use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 20% off of your first order of $29 or more. And without further ado, let's dive back into the show. Um, It's extremely draining. (laughs) Um, We take care of, I mean, even rapid response, I still have one shift a week of bedside. Um, So it's, I mean, it's such hard work. It's, I've never worked that hard in my life. Um, you know, whether you have one patient, sometimes we're one to one, sometimes we're two to one. I mean, one to two. So sometimes we have two patients who need so much care. And by the way, like the taking on the call it donning and doffing of, um, PPE is another 30 minutes each patient. It's crazy because by the time you take it off, then your other patient, you have to run into the room and put it back on. Um, so it's very, 
physically demanding. And then on top of it, it's very emotionally demanding. Um, you know, multiple times in a week, I have to tell the patient, okay, do you want to FaceTime your family? Cause we're gonna have to intubate you and put you on a ventilator. And I mean, sadly I've seen multiple, multiple people not come off the ventilator. So, I mean, I come home sometimes and I just cry because it's so, I mean, imagine that. Imagine FaceTiming with a family member saying like, okay, tell them you love them. That's literally one of the, I mean, the last couple that we've done, that's something that the they bring, you know, they talk about is just this like super heavy weight that I think the nurses are experiencing because you, there are no family members and you are the one carrying yeah. like that emotional burden. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. And then everyone's like, hey, but you can FaceTime the family. I'm like, yeah, once a shift. I mean, if that. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing you're battling is you don't have time. Like I said, no. it's really bad of me to say, but like when you are working in an ICU and if you have two patients, there's, oh zero, I mean, like the amount of time you don't have in a day is insane. I mean, pre-COVID was hard. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. And then I'm like, you barely probably get a chance to sit down and yeah. eat or have a drink of water, much less, you know, try and and to be fair, I would say most nurses want to make that time. That is the time you want to be giving your patients. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, and then you have families calling a lot because they're worried, which I mean I totally understand. Um, you know, they're worried about their patient, but trying to talk to families and um you know, trying to FaceTime them and you wanna do it, but it's like you just you don't have to, I mean, you make time, um, if it's your lunch break. You do it, you know what I mean? Which is a lot of people don't know, but yeah, nurses are pretty, we, we do a lot. I mean, physicians do a lot of talking to families too, but it's, it's a different world with nurses and physicians. How do you, how do you battle feelings of being exposed? I mean, gosh, I, I remember I had a sore throat for the first time right when COVID hit and I was tested and I was negative and it was like this big sense of relief because, you know, and the, the thing I talk about a lot is people keep saying, Oh, it's the flu. It's just, you know, but you don't know. I mean, you don't know like how, yeah, you're healthy. You know, I'm healthy. I work out, I'm fit, whatever. But, um, I don't know. What if I'm that one? Cause no one knows about it. I was going to say, well, like one? what was the range of patients you were seeing? What that are oh. as far as like, like, you know, a general consensus about some of the patients that you guys see in your ICU. Um, we, it's definitely, I would say we, the lower socioeconomic class is getting hit really hard. Um, and I don't know if it's cause it's multifamily homes or, you know, just education about health or knowledge about health. Um, that's big. Um, a lot of them are essential workers, um, that are, you know, whether they're in farmers or, you know, construction or something, they're essential workers. And so they're having to go to work. Um, a lot of them, most of them have diabetes. That's like a big one. Uh, you know, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, those are other big ones that are coming in as well as obesity is a big one too. Those are ones that are getting really hit. A lot of comorbidities. A lot of comorbidities. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but at the same time, if you, Darren Godin, the guy that the first patient I I talked about earlier, he had nothing, no comorbidities. Yeah. So that's the thing is, cause I think that's interesting is, um, I mean, especially in New York, they were seeing like every age, you know, it wasn't there, you know, I mean, yes, of course there was a high rate of the comorbidities, but it's, it's all over the board. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, there's no rhyme or reason to it, which is, which is nuts. Can you tap into maybe your most memorable moment of working this pandemic? Um, I always go back to Darren. Like I said, he really, and I'm comfortable. I'm allowed to say his name because he gave us permission. Yeah. He's public about He's it. He's public about it. Um, and he gave us permission. So, but he, um, the last day before he was, uh, discharged home, he was sitting in his room and I hadn't seen him since I took care of him. And I um, went in his room to say goodbye. And he kind of didn't remember me, but he kind of did. And he said, I remember your voice kind of. 
Um, and he just started sobbing. I mean, we sat there. I mean, I was in full gown, pepper, everything, trying to talk to him. Um, but he was sobbing and just said how like scary this was, how he, how did this happen? And it was right in the beginning. So that was the most memorable moment. And then just, you know, being friends and staying friends with him is just amazing. Cause afterwards he went home and he said like, he didn't feel the same for weeks. You know, he was on, he had a seizure for me on my shift, um, which I had to call his family and tell him that he had a seizure. Uh, and so he was on Keppra, which is an anti, you know, seizure med and it made him feel weird. So there's a lot of, I mean, that was the most memorable moment. Nice. I mean, we all have those kinds of experiences, but I think yours is probably going to, it's going to stick with you for the rest oh, of your forever. life. I mean, that's yeah. just like the kind of moment. Yeah. Um, what is it like heading into work right now? Like, what do you, you know, how do you feel about everything? I think, I think it's, there's a lot of, especially because it's COVID's kind of gotten political, I would say. And that's, it's yes. gotten very political and it's, it's frustrating. frustrating. So frustrating. Because, you know, people have so many opinions on it and there's, YouTube doctors all of a sudden coming out voicing their opinion and I know so I think we're I think nurses are frustrated I mean not nurses just everyone in healthcare Everybody, healthcare is all frustrated frustrated because we're it's like falling on deaf ears to protect yourself and I get it if and the biggest thing is um you know I came home one day and my fiance and I were talking and he said Corey you see it every day like you are inundated with it but people that aren't in the healthcare system don't even think it's happening because we don't 100 percent. and i get that because on my days off when i'm off it's like i don't even if i don't think about it who would even know what's happening yeah it's interesting because i've brought this up a couple times on the podcast where i feel like it's hard because i think we need like a real time almost like netflix where it's like you are in it with people that are actually dealing with it so they can see it in time it's like i I don't even know how that would be physically possible but it's like i wish they let you know what I mean? Like people need to see it in that way now. Oh yeah. I wish they would let, I've been saying it. I wish they would let news crews in our, in our ICU. 100%. We can't because of HIPAA and X, Y, and Z. And we try, and nurses are so limited because we have HIPAA that we can't even say like how many patients we have in the hospital. Nope. You can't say what diagnosis, you can't say what's in there. Yeah. No. You can't do that. So that's a really hard part for us to, you know, show the public that it's really happening. So I don't know. I wish, I wish there was a way. I wish hospitals was like, you know what? Let them in. <laughs> Totally. I mean, I think, and that's, that is a balance, right? And that's why I, and I've talked a lot about this. Like, I do feel like it's still important for healthcare and medical professionals to be in the social media space because that's where people are at. Oh yeah. Like, I think people are so sick of mass media. I mean, I can't even turn it on anymore. I'm like, I just, it just, what's going on in the world. It just gives me more anxiety than I want to have in my own personal space. So I tend to shut it off, but you know, a lot of people do they're on social media and I think it's important for us to have a presence, but it's that balance of like, not of, you know, not breaching HIPAA of being appropriate and doing all those things. But I think it's important and, I wish that there could be a Netflix crew. That I know that's in. a great idea. I wish. You well, were. although I will say this, ne- um, have you seen? I mean, I've talked about it a lot here on the podcast. Have you seen Lennox Hill? No. Oh my God, Netflix. Okay. Let me just tell you. Okay, so Lennox Hill follows four doctors in New York. Mm-hmm. This is pre-COVID, mm. and one's an OB resident, one's a neurosurgeon, one is you know you kind of go through the scheme and you follow them through the hospital caring for patients. And it's yeah. one season, and then they have a bonus episode okay. of them working during COVID. Oh, wow. And it was, it's really interesting because it's, I'm like, this is what people need to see. Yeah. This is what, like, they actually follow them into surgery. They follow them into, like, wow. their pre-op, post-ops. Like, it, it's a really insightful, and I'm like, we need more of this. Yeah, totally. This I, is what we need. 
God. So can we dive into maybe what you've learned from this whole experience? Like, what do you feel like you can take away from this? So I say this all the time that I, I hope it makes everyone a better nurse. Um, and cause it's so complex and we've talked about this before that it doesn't, it's, it's almost like not just a respiratory virus. It hits everything from neuro. Cause we see some patients that have uh, COVID like encephalitis, um, they're clotting, they're having, you know, stemmies because of clots. So it's really a whole body virus. Um, so it's, I'm hoping that it'll make nurses and physicians just better and take, that's a takeaway. I hope. Um, Oh, and then, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I just hope that, you know, we learn as a community what, how to, how to manage patients and how to care for patients better, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think if one thing that we've kind of tapped into in this time, which I think is kind of cool is sort of this community of medical that really had to go, you know, more online and become more collaborative. Yeah. And so I hope that that's where we're going. Like, I think if that's, that's one thing that I feel like I took away from this is, you know, the medical community really coming together and trying to across the world, you know, we're looking at other places. Like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and trialing different things. I mean, and what a time like right now, because this has never happened since, I mean, I've been in medicine, obviously. And, you know, for many physicians that ever been, it's like, they're almost getting to do their own trials of what's going on. And, you know, that we want that we obviously want data and you know actual research evidence but we were getting to live history i know we we're literally living it it's, it's such a crazy time to be in healthcare period oh it's nuts it is crazy it's it's just nutty um so part of what i love about you is just like your whole aesthetic of life so <laughs> i want to get the deets here yeah. so i want to go micro let's get very specific okay. what do you do for breakfast like let's talk like work days and not work days okay um God, for breakfast, I eat like a piece of toast and peanut butter (laughs) (laughs) right when I wake up. That's just what gets me going and some coffee. Um, But, you know, during work, I'm pretty, most days, I'd say, not all days, especially when we got food for COVID. We were like frontline workers. We're inundated with meals, which was very great. That's nice. But my waistline was not super (laughs) excited. But, you know, most days I'm um, I'm pretty regimented. I track my macros i'm a big macro girl oh, so you do do you yes. use an app what do you use i have an app um it's called avatar nutrition love them um oh. so i track my macros make sure i'm getting the you know the right food and nutrients for me um whether you want to lose weight gain weight whatever that's a whole different story okay. um but so i do that and then i you know go to work and i come home and i make dinner for my fiance and i and we're in bed by like nine um but then my off days I, well, not always my off days, but I work out really early in the morning. I was going to say, what are your workouts like? I'm what a big doing? early bird. Um, I do 40 or 450 workouts. Um, what? Yeah. I get up, I get up at four. No. <laughs> we I get can't. up at four and we work out because to me, it starts my day and I hate having to like, I love to work out, but I hate having it to be like, okay, I'll go at two. Okay. I'll go at three. Totally. I like to get it done. I like to make sure I'm, did it, check, go, go on. What are your workouts looking like these days? Um, well, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have a trainer that we work with. Nice. Which is great. Um, Love that. I, definitely, if you can afford it and make time. For, I mean, I can't 
always afford it, but I make sure it's a priority for me. Um, I mean, okay, here's the thing. I'm a big believer in like time is money, right? Yeah, totally. And having someone come to you and being able to or doing that with someone is yeah. that's worth it. Oh my gosh. Because you know, we're so busy and we, my fiance and I are so busy that we were saying like, we don't want to plan a workout. <laughs> that's no. the last thing I want to do. I'm lucky because Jacob does it for me, but I'm like, it's just nice to have that. Like it's worth the money. Yeah, totally. Totally worth the money. So we, we do that two days a week. And then the other days I do, I, I'm a big Peloton girl. We, we Peloton. Okay. I, Jacob keeps saying, we keep threatening to get one. It's What's great. your thought? totally great you can you know you can do a 20 minute workout when you wake up you can do an hour workout on your days off and you know it tracks your um how many workouts you've done and it'll be like beep at you like on your phone like your apple watch or your phone and say like hey hey where you been it's been five days like crap (laughs) so um i know and then it's my fiance will take a class and then i want to you know take his class i'm like well i can do it too so it's a little competition so it's fun what do you guys do for dinners what do you get what do you do Oh man, we, my fiance is a little picky with this food. So, oh, uh, okay. We do a lot of ground Turkey. We do a lot of shrimp. We do a lot of, we do some steaks sometimes. Um, but for the most part it's, I mean, we try to do whole foods, keep it healthy. And then we definitely love to splurge on the weekends or our day. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, cause uh, that's something that I love about you. Cause you always, you host the best parties. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so I, I do think love parties. you and I like very much vibe on that. And I'm like, like if I think my parties are good, I'm like, I watch yours. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> God. You're creative too. So something else I love about you is your cookies. Are you still oh, doing yeah. cookies? I am. Yeah, I have three orders in August. Okay, so we're going to have to give that a big shout out too. And I'll oh, link yeah. this down. But uh, you guys, okay, so I ordered these cookies. Um, Corey made them for Jacob's 30th. Yeah, I did. I think a couple times we've done it. And they're so cute. You're so creative. Where yeah. did this come from? I don't even know. I don't even know. It's like an outlet that I just, tapped into um I god I don't oh you know I know how it happened I took a, a class one class and it was like basically to see if you like liked it that's how I tell people I'm like you don't I mean I learned a little bit but it's a lot of self-learning because I like then I became YouTube University on cooking um and I just I just started like I love to doodle I'm a total doodler so it's not a lot of like I'm not very good at like drawing a portrait but I can doodle and I can do those kinds of things so it's really that's what got me into it it's a rabbit hole. You can spend a lot of money on cookies. It's stuff. a lot. It is a rabbit hole, but it's so fun. Like you've, I, you've done baby showers, you've done birthdays, mm-hmm. you've done like the whole graduation. gamut, graduations. Yeah. I do a little bit of everything. But if yeah, you guys are local. You should definitely hit her up. Yeah. Which Instagram are you on? It's Corey Ann's Cookies. Corey Ann's Cookies. Yeah. We'll link that too. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Um. So speaking to upcoming healthcare providers, yes. What piece of advice do you have for them? Um. I would just say to be, like I said, the one of the biggest thing is don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. That was a big, you know, if I listened to that, I'd probably be nowhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I, if Same. I listen, if someone, exactly. It's hard because you tell people what you want to do and you'll get a lot of, you get some support and then you get a lot of people like, well, and they'll give you some negative. So if you, if you really truly feel like you're passionate about something, just follow it, just keep going. Um, and then the other thing is just have a good support system, which is, I mean, it's, you can't really choose your family. You can't pick, can't pick your family. Um, but I was lucky enough to have, you know, a really supportive fiance to go back to school. Um, and my family was very supportive. Not all of my family, definitely. Let me tell you, <laughs> most of my family was pretty supportive, um, about me going back. So that's a big, if you can just have a good support system around you. That's really important. Yeah, for sure. What is the best piece of advice that you have received? I think it was still that that one that <laughs> that you know you're gonna get perceived um anyway like people will look at you and judge you right off the bat and it kind of goes back to what i just said just 
you know, kind of stay true to yourself and do what you think is best. Um, and don't doubt yourself. You know, you, people will do it, doubt you enough for you. So you got to just be confident. And, and yeah, I, the other I thing I'd say is you got to really get uncomfortable. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. If it's like, you know, if, if every day you can be, and that's so cheesy to say, I feel like that's such a cheesy comment, but you know, you really have to be like, for example, my next job, I'm driving, going to have to drive like 45 minutes to an hour and a half, which every day, which would scare a lot of people away. But at the same time, like I'm getting the best experience as a new grad nurse practitioner and I'm getting, you know, at a great facility. So it's worth it. So, and you can listen to some podcasts on the way. In, I can know? listen to some great podcasts <laughs> See, on the way like up. Plenty of podcasts I know, I know. There's a silver lining to everything. Exactly. You guys. But just, just, you know, really if, even if it sucks, just do it. If it's going to better you, just do it. Just like I agree. Out, you know? I agree. I think like I have that mentality of like, just get on the hustle yeah. and be okay with being uncomfortable yeah, totally. and, you know, growing as a person and as a nurse. And, you know, I think, I don't know. I just, I'm a big believer in that. Like, I just think that putting, listening to someone else, putting limits on me, like literally pisses me off. It like drives me more. Oh, I'm 100%. like, oh, watch me. I'm like, you think I can't do this? Okay, watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. yeah. And pushing those boundaries, I think it's really important. Yeah, totally. 100%. I don't know why, like, it's, it's just a thing in the healthcare that we like to do, but I think it's, it is, it's important to follow your own, your own compass. Yeah, your own path and do yeah. you. So if you were to, you know, you're writing a book, what would this chapter of your audio biography be? Oh God. Um, Silver lining in the shitstorm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, I had uh, despite COVID, I had a pretty good year. I mean, I got engaged, I graduated school, got my dream job. So yeah, you had a lot of good things. I had a lot of good things in in twenty twenty. A and, nephew. And oh my, my cute little nephew. Love He's him so, so much. Cute. He's so cute. But yeah, that's a good one. Silver lining in the shitstorm. That'd be my chapter. Fabulous. I love it. <laughs> so before we head out today, do you have a Netflix, a podcast, a resource, a book that you really like that you've gotten some value? Oh my gosh. Use? I've been preaching this for a long time. There is a audiobook slash podcast. David Goggins, love him. Oh, never have heard you... of this one. And I definitely need to get on this. Oh my gosh. David Goggins, basically he's a Navy SEAL who came from like nothing and just works his, he's, I mean, he's psychotic, but in a good way. He just works his butt off every yeah. day and he's a great person to listen to. And I'm like, it's a podcast with the book together. It's awesome. Can't think of the name, but y'all will okay, link it. Okay. I'll link it. Yeah. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes because yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So before we head out, yes. where can everyone find you? Pimp yourself out. Okay. So my Instagram's Corianne Cakes, which is weird because I also have a cookie business. <laughs> But this is pre-cookie business, but yeah, it's Corey and Cakes. Corey and my Cakes. Instagram handle. Um, and then my cookies, if you're interested, is Corian's Cookies. Yay. Yeah. yeah, you guys. And seriously, if, you know, she's a great resource. I know you got, you have like exponential amount of information. So yeah, I love to, DMs. I love to, you know, write back to people that write to me about COVID or nursing or whatever. So yeah, yeah, hit me a lot of great yeah. insight. So thank you so much Corey, yeah, for coming so on today. I love it. I love this podcast. So all right, Doing you guys. Things. I know. Thanks. Mwah. Mwah. Bye, Bye, guys. Thank you so much, Corey, for coming in today. It was such a blast to get you behind the mic. You guys, if you want to head over to send her a DM or let you know what you thought about this episode, head over to her Instagram. That's Corey Ann Cakes, K-O-R-I-A-N-N-C-A-K-E-S. She is amazing. I'm sure she would love to answer your questions if you had any 
super fun. Love her. I'm so glad we were able to do this episode. And as many of you know, I've been wanting to do this for a while to implement a question of the week. And so um, I did put up a question box for you guys to drop a question. And I actually got two that I really liked. So we're going to start with the first one. So this one is from Lynette underscore Z11. And she asks, what can I do to portray myself as a highly valuable applicant to nursing school? So many of you know this already. Getting into nursing school was an absolute nightmare for me. Getting in was like a joke. Like it just, it took me three and a half, almost four times even to get into nursing school. And if you want to hear my biggest secret and my whole journey to getting into nursing school, because I actually think it's a really good background to give you sort of like the playing field of where I was at with that on episode one, definitely go check that out. Um, so that's sort of my basis of it is I get it. It's super competitive to get into nursing school nowadays. Um, it's, you know, I think it's really funny because we have all of these ads and all of these schools basically sort of portraying it as this super easy, oh, just come and be a nurse or just come and do it online. It's this and that. And that's just really not the case. That's not the case with nursing at all. Um, in fact, I would put it on the other end of, you know, and maybe why I'm starting this platform is to really give you guys the realty of what it's like and to really sort of put the, I don't know, give you the the nudge you need in the positive way, but also, you know, sort of that tough love moment. And so there's a couple of things that I would say to really sort of boost yourself up. Okay, so number one with getting into nursing schools. Number one, keep those grades up, okay, no matter what. And that's med school, that's PA school, that's NP school, doesn't matter. Your grades actually, even people were saying for NP school, your grades really don't matter. That's That actually is... I think that's false. That is completely false. You have to have, I think for the, at least the school I applied to, you had to have a 3.0 or better, which even in nursing school, I don't think you can pass with a 3.0 because technically you have to pass with a B or higher with everything. But anyway, long story short, keep those grades up. That actually is important. Um, if you're really interested in it and you know there's something you want to do, you know, maybe you get your certifications, go for your BLS, um, get certified in that, join some professional organizations. Um, I actually have a blog with all of these tips on my website on tipsfromtory.com. I actually have a couple blogs where it talks a lot about this and I go more in depth. Um, the other thing, and I would say, and it's a little difficult right now, is to work in the hospital setting. So working as a CNA, a summer intern, a patient care technician, a PCT, a secretary, a scribe, or even a volunteer. You guys, all of these, all of the above, I mean, they are, I think we're hiring less. However, there are still positions out there. So you really just have to keep your eye open. And kind of be open to doing any of that, anything. I volunteered in high school, um, which actually was a really great eye opener for me. I do know other people, like Corey said, she scribed as well, which is a, a really great opportunity. Um, another thing I would do just for the sake of it is update your social. So just update your LinkedIn. Um, you know, you just never know who's looking every, everywhere. Make sure that your social media is cleaned up, you guys. If you're applying to any medical period, make sure it's cleaned up. 
Um, And then the next thing I would say is network. You know, the thing that you guys have now that I didn't have, honestly, is this amazing network. And I'm talking social media, which is crazy. You know, you literally hashtag search the hashtag uh, nurses of Instagram, and you're going to see nurses from all over the world. And it sounds kind of crazy. But you can honestly slip into someone's DM if you're that motivated to say like, I want to do this, reach out to them and say, hey, like, do you have any tips like you live in the same state as I do you're working in the in the unit that I want to work in like do you have any tips or tricks that's literally why I established my blog because I had literally hundreds of nurses asking about that and so and I'm sure there are other nurses out there who have done the same thing with tons of tips and tricks and you know you kind of have to weed through it and figure it out but I'm sure you could And then lastly, look far and wide. Don't limit yourself by city or state. You know, there's so many amazing programs out there. Um, So those are sort of my big ones right now on the top of my head. You know, I think it's, it is really, it is nice to have that hospital work environment if you can, joining those organizations, certifying, um, looking far and wide, keep those grades up. So um, those are sort of my big tips off those off the top of my head here. Okay, and this is actually a really interesting question that I wanted to sort of give you guys a teaser for. So this is from Earl. He's the rainbow nurse. And he asked, hey, Tori, I'm a micro nurse blogger and I have a question. Do you recommend disclosing the hospital you work at? And he he's coming from a, an interesting angle. I'm going to tease this question for two weeks from now because I have an episode coming out two weeks from now and I've decided to do one on all things healthcare blogging. So we're going to be talking about healthcare blogging, the do's, the don'ts, sort of things that I've learned, um, you know, anything from affiliate marketing to how to handle certain situations. I think it'd be really fun to kind of talk about that with you guys. So I'm going to tease that question and just say we're going to address it head on um, in two weeks and I have a really fun episode coming out with you guys and that I'm bringing a good friend on with and we're gonna be talking about that so thank you so much you guys for being here with me holy smokes I just I am so thankful for this platform and I feel like I'm getting more comfortable behind the mic I will say it's such a learning curve like this has just been really fun for me I'm sort of getting my flow down I'm really trying to like continue to find my voice and I know what my message is but it's kind of interesting to have everything like sync up but this has been so much fun and I just want to say thank you you guys this episode was so much fun it's loaded with information so swipe up we have tons of information about Corey and of course our sponsors down there make sure you guys rate and review the show that means more to us than anything so let us know what you thought get really specific here. I want to hear what you learned from the episode. What did you gain from it? Um, what? Who is your favorite guest? Who do you want to hear more from? I love those reviews. And as you guys know, we started with some small selfie swag. So when you leave your review on iTunes, leave your Insta handle in the review and we will send over some super cute stickers. And of course, our selfie badge reel featuring Selena, Selena, 
our selfie icon. And you guys, I just got some really cute selfie squad stickers in. So I'm really excited because I'm sending those out this week. So make sure you're following us on our Insta at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find all of our episodes, you guys, on www.tipsfromtori.com. And thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Catch you next time.